you for listening to Bloody Podcast. I'm your host, Maria Felix, with my co-host, Lori Roggenkamp and Cash Abdumalik. We're monsters! I want to suck your blood. <laughs> I didn't do that close to the mic, so I wouldn't be too loud. That's pretty good. Thank you. You're welcome. a professional. Thanks a lot. <laughs> So before we jump into today's episode, just a reminder to check out our Patreon for our exclusive episode this month on Unsolved Mysteries, and we'll be rolling out our new tiers in November. We got rid of the $20 and the $15 tiers and have made the exclusive episode available at the $10 tier every month. Yes. Uh, Yes. $5 will still get you two other pieces of bonus content per month, and... And I know I still owe some people some coasters, which we talked about on the last Patreon episode, I think. So we will get those out to you soon. Uh, We have a lot of merch ideas, so we might be rolling out a merch store soon. But, you know, that takes not procrastinating. So we'll see where that goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we might be re- we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Maria, you know, uh you could cut back on your sleep time, right? So, I feel like mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. you can put a little bit more effort into this. Um uh <laughs> says the woman that is literally late cuz she was napping. Uh, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> I know, I know. But uh yeah, no. Uh we we definitely have some things in the in the pipeline. Um coming down the way i don't know what that saying is um but yeah like we, we have a, a meeting about dividends yeah we got <laughs> we got a finance meeting coming up soon so we're gonna we're gonna discuss that um some mergers stuff but uh but yeah maria brought up, brought up a good point last week which is like you know patreons for if you like this show please support us we we would love to be doing this full time if possible Right now, we currently have two careers that we're, you know, not so jazzed about. Uh, so, <laughs> so anything that helps. There's still the two dollar level. Yeah. If you want to throw us two bucks a month, that's great. If you want to throw us twenty bucks for one month, you can you can do that. I think there's a way to do that. Yeah. I have to pay. You might have to pay the ten dollar tier for two months in a row. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> anything helps. And thank you guys so much for anybody. Uh, for everybody who is a part of the Patreon, we appreciate you guys. We love talking to you. We love getting your feedback and reading your comments. And we feel like we have friends all over the world. It's really nice. Yeah. So thank you guys um, so much. Yes. Cash doesn't care. I was just watching you two do it. It's very sweet. <laughs> but I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in honor, let's, you know, business is over. In honor of Halloween. I have the trick-or-treat murder Oh, on October 31st of 1957 in the quiet Los Angeles County suburb of Sun Valley, California, 35-year-old Peter Fabiano and his wife Betty were laying in bed after a quiet Halloween night of handing out candy to trick-or-treaters. As you do. As you do on Halloween. Yeah. (laughs) And... By quiet, it means like every like five minutes. It was like, uh, all right, what are you supposed to be? Okay, all right, one a piece, one a piece, guys. All right, thank you. Bye, leave now. Bye, you all have one a piece. Go, please. That's <laughs> <God. laughs> 
Get off my porch, please. Yeah, please. All right, leave. I'm shutting the door now. The two were finally dozing off in bed a little after 11 p.m. when the doorbell rang. Mm. Peter, thinking it was some late candy or some late trick-or-treaters, got up and went to the door. Opening it, he teased, it's a little late for this sort of thing, isn't it? No, it's not, replied the caller. Across from Peter stood a masked woman. She raised her arm, which seemed to be holding a paper bag, and shot Peter before he even had a chance to react to the woman in front of him. Oof. Jeez. From upstairs, Betty heard her husband's complaint prior to opening the door. Someone who she says sounded like a man impersonating a woman reply. And then the sickening pop of the gun. And seconds later, the sound of wheels peeling off their street. Jeez. Wow. Mm. Betty ran downstairs to find her husband, Peter, shot, blood pouring from his chest. Judy, Betty's daughter, called 911, but Peter died on his way to the hospital. Cause of death was determined to be a bullet from a 38 revolver. Poor guy. Mm. Yeah. On the surface, it seemed like a senseless, sinister killing on the scariest night of the year. But two weeks after the murder, the police began unraveling the lives of Peter and Betty and the possible reason for his murder. Ooh. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh. I could have hit a button. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Speaking of buttons, mm-hmm. oh, I'm waiting. you have yours in the chamber. So exciting. Ooh, really? Okay. I'm, I'm excited. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Peter and Betty met in the late 40s and were married in Kingston, New York in 1950. Betty had two kids from a previous marriage, uh, Judy and Richard. In New York, Peter worked as a truck driver while Betty remained a homemaker. And then in 1956, I think it was, I think this year might be off. I think it might be maybe 19, it's either very early 1956 or it had to be 55. Uh, But let's go with early 1956 for now. The family headed out west to sunny California. If it is 56, this makes it the 75th anniversary. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Where they settled in Sun Valley and Peter and Betty opened up two hair salons in the L.A. area. After opening the shops, Peter hired a freelance photographer to help him out. I guess as as you do, I guess you have to hire one back then, right? To take pictures of your styles. Can't just do it with your phone. Yeah, you put them up on the, put them up on the wall. Yeah. All that stuff. Here's the beehive. I'll take a number 14. Ah, the balding gentleman. (laughs) The monk. The monk. That'll look wonderful on you, miss. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm shocked that they hired somebody. Wouldn't they have just gotten the same photos that every salon seems to use, which is the black and white photos from the 80s? It's not good enough for Peter Fabiano. Yeah. This is where those photos came from. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because that's the 80s. This is the 50s. Mm Never changed the, f- the pictures. <laughs> no? What? Lori, you're just looking at us. 
Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was looking up what do you get? What do you get on the 75th anniversary? And it's diamonds. So if this so was a like, wedding anniversary, we you'd be getting diamonds. It sounds mm. like you owe me a diamond. <laughs> um. I mean, yes, it does feel like it does feel like it, it's been 75 years since we started because, this podcast. Because it's a Halloween one, that means you spell it D I E I M S. I was I was hoping that you would <laughs> I don't think that one. I think that one was uncalled I think you know what? A little harder. This one's going to be a little salty because I'm putting extra spice in this episode. Oh yes? yeah, why are you so salty? Uh, no, 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 not salty, salty. I mean, like <laughs> spices are salty because this is spicy to me. I love it. <laughs> spicy? No. <laughs> uh, so they hired a freelance photographer named Joan Rabble. Joan was an artsy 40-year-old woman, a photographer and writer that traveled between California and Hawaii to take classes at the University of Honolulu in writing. I mean, whatever, you know, like, <laughs> fucking. So she had family money is what you All you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So she got to travel a lot to Hawaii. <laughs> Big whoop. Was it Hawaii suddenly known for their writers? Like, I don't understand. Anyway. I think I think your next thing, Maria, is what do you think you're better than me? Yeah, what do you think you're better than me? Because you got to go to Honolulu. <laughs> I saw that campus. It sucks and it smells. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She quickly, uh, Joan, quickly grew close to the couple, just in time too, because Peter and Betty were having marital problems. Mm. We don't know exactly which problems, but we can surmise from what happened next. The unhappy couple decided to take a break from each other, and Betty moved in with Joan. Oh. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. It didn't take long for Joan and Betty to begin sleeping together. (gasps) The two developed an affair, and the hard truth was that Betty had always been a lesbian. Uh, of course, in the 1950s, this was unacceptable and an unacceptable thing for a woman. Thus, the sham marriage that she had with Peter. Yeah. Societal pressures won out, though, and Betty eventually returned to her husband. Peter took her back, but made her promise never to see Joan again. Betty acquiesced and cut her lover out of her life for good. Don't you have those feelings that you (laughs) have to have earnestly (laughs) it was so suppressed that when the stories came out about this um about this murder they will not use the words lesbian or homosexual in the papers and we're talking about the la times that's crazy yeah oh that's ridiculous they keep calling each other their their good friends That's great. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense why why my grandma always used to say she was my okay friend. She was my good friend. She was a not a girl. Not yeah. How is your how is your okay how is your good friend, Lori? My my good friend is we're doing great. We're um we're moving in together. You know, just great. kinda we just felt like 
condensing our we're not you know we're nothing nothing toward we're just uh we're just choosing to live our lives in the same vicinity so sounds like some They're really roommates. friendly stuff yeah oh, roommates. roommates yeah yeah we're gonna be great ants that's how we nice <laughs> we're gonna be amazing ants uh my uncle yeah. mike my uncle mike is gay and i remember growing up <laughs> he kept on talking about how uh i didn't know about gay or lesbian at the, at the time people at the time just because i was a kid and my parents like never really told me about that until later in life and i was always like his roommate's always with him that's nuts <laughs> it's like you must really enjoy hanging out like me and my best friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's like not like that sweetie unless hmm? there, there was this uh so i had multiple multiple family friends who had multiple uh sons living with them like way into their fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. And now I like to, I like to look back and play a fun game, which I, which I call, were they gay or were they mentally disabled? Um, because, oh my <laughs> because God. some of them were gay, I think. And some of them were mentally disabled and some of them were both. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. And so all like, these like red, well, they were sons. They were all sons. So we would have like, if I would, we, our family would go over and they'd be like, you know, it'd be like a seven-year-old parents and then it'd be like their, you know, 50-year-old son who's just like hanging out there and just like, so, you know, in his room and he's got like e- e- posters of like Liberace and like Elton John in his room. And he's just very nice, very sweet. And it's just like, and I, now looking back, I go, oh, he was clearly mentally disabled. Um <laughs> I think that the stereotype of having Liberace posters in your room if you're disabled is a gross misnomer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it needs to be stopped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a surefire way to know. Oh my God. That's wonderful. Forgot to add serial killer into the mix of like oh. a disabled or serial killer. Or what was the other one? That's it. Yeah, ser- or serial killer. Yeah, that'll be a fun new game that I can play. ABC. That's what I. That's what I do when I when I can't sleep. I just sit and go. Was Roger? Was he gay or was he? Was he mentally dis? Uh, well, I don't know. He did like to give a lot of hugs, so maybe he was. Serial <laughs> killer. Serial killer. for torsos. Yeah. <laughs> he was always measuring my brother. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, when the triangle was severed, Joan moved on, supposedly, and quickly started dating 42-year-old Goldine Pizer. Goldine was described as meek and mild, a lab technician at the Children's Hospital in Los Angeles. Like Betty, she too had been married before, but unlike Betty, had divorced her husband years earlier. Goldine and Joan had been friends for three years prior to them dating, but after after Betty left her, Joan leaned on Goldine immediately following the breakup. Rebound. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine, though? Like, you are so insular that your whole world revolves around this person because... You can't go out. You can't talk about it. You can't go outside. Yeah. yeah. You and so and then that person just ups and leaves you. 
Yeah. I mean, it must, it must've been world shattering. But not, but not for Joan. Cause Joan's like back and forth between Hawaii and here and shit. Oh yeah. She's all, arts, she's all artsy fartsy. So she yeah. has more access to like other lesbians than Betty would. Betty yeah. has to keep up the sham. Joan's like a free woman. You know? Mm, yeah. She's not pretending to be married. She's like, I'm a photographer and I sound like a man. You know, so deal with it. <laughs> What's up, guys? I don't know if she sounds like a man. I'm making that. She just has like a low, she just has like a low voice. And I'm sure her entire life people are like, Hello, sir. How are you? <laughs> no, it is ma'am. I like to think that she sounds like the guy from Sounds the Lamps. <laughs> she great big back. Yeah. Big fat person. What's going on here? If yeah. you look, if you look up <laughs> pictures of, of Joan Rabel, um, you will immediately see that her like her per- I imagine her personality probably fits her her like face and her her like body because her body she has like a really like domineering stance and she has like a she has strong features you know yeah doesn't seem like somebody you would mess with now if you look at goldine goldine in the in the main it's a perfect picture honestly the newspaper took but goldine in the in the main picture you find of her and joan together it's like goldine is like shrinking into herself (laughs) oh yeah okay yeah that makes sense while Joan is like, what are you going to do about it, huh? I see that. Yeah, she's looking at it. She's domineering as fuck. Tits up, bitch. Tits up, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Strong features. That's how you describe someone. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody else, but they just like, how do they look? Yeah, uh, really strong features. Uh, and you're like, no, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I don't want to explain it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> That's what we, we call... We call those tent poles because you can see them coming. You can see them from like the distance of a tent pole. Like, you know that they're gay. Like, like a mile away, you're like, that's a lesbian coming at me. Um, she's coming at me hard and fast. She's coming oh at me hard and fast. She's got her fist and arm up. So as soon as they got together, because they were only together like two months before all this happened, Joan started filling Goldine's head with the image of the evil Peter Fabiano. I assume that the talk started with about how Peter had fired Joan. And I personally, I doubt that she mentioned that she dated Betty for a while. She would tell Goldine, Joan would tell Goldine all about how Peter was terrible and that he abused his wife severely all the time and that he was a drug dealer and that he was, quote, an evil and vile, evil and vile, a man who was destroying everything around him. That's a lie. <laughs> a devious, devious lie. Yeah. Sure, I sold drugs. People need drugs. Are you Peter? Apparently, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm not. laughs> Joan drilled this into Goldine's head and followed it up with the suggestion that Goldine and that she and Goldine should kill him. Nice. Oh, that yeah, that makes sense. Essentially to rid the world of his evil. Yay! This took like two months of like literally always talking about Peter. It wasn't like a, you know, like after a drink, she'd like mention how much she didn't like him. It was like all the time. 
It's like if she had dated Peter at that point. Yeah. Right. She's just going on and on. It's like, dude, stop. Yeah. <laughs> How long do you think it would take for you to be convinced to kill someone with me? Like if I was like, babe. With you? Yeah. Oh. Like if I wanted to kill somebody. I think I she think would. Be. I think she'd be right there with you. I'm going to answer for her. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think we should talk about it on the air. These <laughs> <laughs> comedy scenarios. <laughs> I think. I think what you would say is you go, should we kill, should we kill Laura? And you're, Maria's like, I'm already ahead of it. I've been poisoning her for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sending then, her bars to eat and she doesn't yeah. understand. Snickers bars. Yeah. Arsenic. <laughs> Arsenic Snickers. Yeah, hey guys. In them already. Yeah. These Snickers bars taste really funky, but I'm going to keep eating them. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask, how long would it take for you to talk about another person before I got annoyed? Because if I were Goldine and Joan kept talking about some fucking dude, I'd be like, shut the fuck up about this Peter. After five minutes. Five minutes? That's it. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think there comes a point where I mean, especially I feel like with if you're a les if you're like a lesbian, you're now in a lesbian relationship and you're still talking about your husband who you're like, I don't love them, but another thing that annoys me about them, I'd be like, all right. <laughs> No, no, no. It was not her. So just to be clear, oh, okay. Betty is married to Peter. Betty. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Then Betty had an affair with Joan. And now Joan, who is dating Goldine, won't stop talking about Peter. Right. Oh. It's twice removed. It's twice removed. It doesn't make any right. sense. So it makes no sense. Okay. So it even makes less sense then. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, see, see now. Even if you are in a straight or gay relationship, if you're talking about an ex nonstop, it's already like a red flag of just being like, all right, fucking say two things, but that's it. I really don't want to fucking ruin my evening with this shit. But if you're talking about an ex's like partner, that's even weirder. (laughs) Where It's just like, what is your fucking obsession? Well, you're not also not saying that it's, she's not telling Goldine that it's her ex. Oh. At least not that we know of she maybe she did but as far as we know she's told Goldine that um peter abuses his wife betty hmm. we know that she probably told him or i should say we assume she probably told her about how peter fired her you know because like if they were cutting out all ties right. but we don't know if she told her that it was her ex i doubt she did otherwise like who in their right mind would be like yeah let me go kill your ex's husband yeah for you for, for the world <laughs> yeah so right now be, it's just vigilantism let's just kill this bad person i love that i love that of like remind, okay babe you know i love you but just remind me again what are we doing this for mm-hmm. what's this what like oh i just don't he, okay you didn't date him right so no, so what's no. the problem uh, I guess. and then she would say stuff like he bothers me at home. What? That's so vague. That's so come near. <laughs> that sounds like a crazy person. That's so freaking vague. I turn on my radio and he talks to me. Yeah. Okay. All right. What if, what if Peter had a commercial and that's what she meant? <laughs> <laughs> For Peter has a commercial where he's, you know, come to Peter's hair salons. Peter's hair salons. We cut hair. We're like, he's yeah. bush. And she's like, what the fuck, motherfucker? <laughs> he's yeah. bothering me at home. He's always telling me where he's going to be. Or what's even funnier is uh, 
her name's what's her name's Joanne or Joan? Joan, yeah. Joan. Okay. So what's even funnier if their commercial is like don't be like Joan, and it's a commercial of like this pathetic woman who's like, I don't get my hair cut at fancy places because I just like to get them cut cheap. And it's like, be a Betty. I like to look good and with my be- yeah. wonderful husband. Don't be a Joan. And she's like, son of a bitch. Yeah. Or the commercial is simply, don't be a Joan. And Joan's like, I am a lesbian with bad hair. <laughs> <laughs> My hair looks like back meat. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all the tropes of a lesbian back in the day. <laughs> Don't be a Joan. Yeah. I'm just Don't trying to have a ham and cheese sandwich. Ham and cheese sandwich. In my plaid shirt. <laughs> I've got boots on. That's the thing, right? Yep. Um, Nailed it. Also, I love Hawaii. Just uh, like all lesbians. <laughs> Um, so she drills this into Goldine's head. They decide that they need to kill him. They're trying to decide, should it be poison? Should it be a knife or should it be a gun? They decide on a gun. So then Joan gives Goldine the money and Goldine goes with a male friend of hers over to a town, over to a shop in Pasadena, which is a few towns over from Sun Valley. Pasadena. (laughs) And under the pretense that she needs it for home protection, Goldine buys a gun. Although I feel like this was the 50s, so she probably didn't have to give much of a reason. She just overthought it because she was lying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I need, to, I need to take a man with me. A man. Because if I take Joan with me, they'll suspect. They'll, they'll be suspicious. <laughs> That's right. We don't sell, uh, I don't know why I'm doing this twice. We don't sell uh, guns to uh, lonely women. We're going to do something stupid. Now, I'm assuming this gun's for your man friend here. Yeah. Big strapping buck like him needs a 38 special. I mean, to be honest with you, that does exactly sound like a phone conversation or a conversation that a, a gun owner and a woman would have. So, and back in the day. She said that she needed the gun for protection at home, uh, which I guess was totally believed. In reality, I think the gun owner was like, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Exactly. That's it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here's the gun. Stop Stop talking. Is there tax? Stop talking. Stop talking. Just take the goddamn gun. (laughs) And then she only bought two shells for it. Two bullets. Uh, I don't know exactly how a 38 revolver works, but it sounds like two bullet two shells or two bullets. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Uh 38 revolver, you need six bullets. But I'm saying it's a shell is a bullet. Yeah, shell's a bullet, yeah. So I feel like that's another thing that would have annoyed the gun shop owner. He's like, you're going to get a box of bullets? She's like, no, I only need two. We don't sell singles. Hey, no. But I only need the two. Uh, is there a place where you can go and buy one cigarette by itself? I don't think so. Well, there is back then. They're called Lucy's. Well, I don't think, did they have Lucy's back then? Yeah. I guess they did. 50s was like the prime time of smoking. Maybe they also, didn't eat oh, Lucy's because it was like so cheap to get cigarettes. Maybe he was like, can I get a Lucy bullet? And he was like, mm. Mm. this is why women aren't allowed in my shop without a man. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your young man friend to come in here. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's still a place where you can buy loose cigarettes. It's called the bodega. You just, you just go in and you just pick up 
up from the ashtray. You just go in, in New York. Yeah, New York. Yeah, you can yeah, go there. Yeah, at least you get that good eggs. You can still get Lucy's in New York. Oh, that's nice. Can't do that here though. Not anymore. That stopped no. when I was seventeen. When I was seventeen. Yeah. You couldn't buy Lucy cigarettes anymore. That's my yeah. That's my song. That's your song. It's my sonnet. <laughs> they registered the gun under Goldine's name, and that part of the plan was set. Then they also went and staked out the beauty shops and Peter's home a few times throughout October, so Goldine would get to know her target. As Halloween night approached, Joan thought that thought up that it was the perfect time for someone to be running around in a costume and not be noticed. That is true. It's true. She's not wrong. I bet she felt like she was like the first person to think of that plan though. (laughs) Yeah. Why does it, why doesn't everybody just commit murder on Halloween? It's the perfect cover. It's the perfect time. (laughs) (laughs) So on that night, Joan picked out a hat, red gloves, blue jeans, a khaki jacket, and dark face paint. I don't know what the fuck that means. They're being very vague about what that means. <laughs> um, I think they have to be. <laughs> I think it's a fine I'm line. not sure what that means. I'd like to know. <laughs> like the LA Times to clear that up. And a domino mask for, for Goldine to wear. A domino mask. A domino mask is those little black masks that just cover your eyes, basically, and the bridge of your nose. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. 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 My thought is that Goldine the whole time is like, I don't really get the costume. (laughs) What? What? Am I I Carmen Sandiego? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, you're Carmen Sandiego. All right. Let's just move on. (laughs) Well, that makes sense because nobody will find me. Well, you get Will you get in the Subaru? No, wait, they don't know the Subaru. Will you get in the che- Will you get in the Chevrolet? Will you just have a Subaru in the 1950s? Will you just get your ass and stop asking questions? Official car. I like this mask. You know who it reminds me of? Robin. Oh, maybe you should be Robin and I should be Batman next year. Okay, yes. Once we finish this, you we'll we'll you know what? We'll go to the store and we'll buy costumes as soon as we're done. Just shut your trap. Poor <laughs> Goldie. <laughs> yes. 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 So Goldine puts on her outfit. And then, no, no, by the way, no word on what Joan wore. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> I hope she wore like a, a fireman's outfit or something. She was like, I get the real costume. <laughs> Um, yeah, she probably had one like just saved. She probably just has a fireman's outfit. Yeah. Then they went to Joan's friend's house in Hollywood, Margaret Barrett. And then they told Margaret, we need to borrow your car to go to the store, which is super weird to me because it's like, bitch, you have your car. Yeah. How'd you get here? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to you're going to leave your car here to go to the store over there. We got a really good parking spot. No, no, no. <laughs> I well, I think probably they were thinking that if they took different cars, then it would be hard for people to track who who no, was yeah. going where. No, of course, but it's just 
you know the, her friend being her friend. Like, oh her friend oh. is the okay that makes I'm, more sense i'm wondering why margaret wasn't like why are you here when you to borrow my car when you have your own car no. yeah i'm sure they were just like oh it's just we want our we want to have a different car for halloween yeah it's part of the outfit yours matches more <laughs> And then she takes a look at Goldine and she's like, what are you? Yeah. <laughs> Carmen San Diego. I'm Carmen San Diego. <laughs> so they borrow Margaret's car and they drive to the Fabiana home. They arrive at 9 p.m. and waited about two hours until all the lights went out in the house before Joan instructed Goldine to make her move. All right, go do it, she said. And Goldine, hiding the gun in the paper bag so it looked like she was trick-or-treating, stepped out of the car. Goldine would later say that she had to hold her left hand with her right hand to keep it from shaking in order to pull the trigger and take Peter's life. After she did it and ran back to the car, Joan thanked her, gave her a peck, and then drove, and then they drove off together back to Margaret's. At Margaret's, they dropped off the car and left the khaki jacket in the car. I don't know why. I think they forgot it. Honestly. Yeah. And then they burned the rest of the outfit. I don't think they did this at Margaret's. I feel like they probably did this. I assume, and I'm I'm just assuming here, that they probably parked a ways away from Margaret, walked to Margaret's, and then walked back to the car. And then somewhere, because like back then, not it, you know, it wasn't as populated in Hollywood, you could probably find an empty lot to burn some clothes in. Right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they did it back at Jones. But... Yeah, somewhere back on the way to Sun Valley or something. Yeah. Or wouldn't it be funny if they just did it in Margaret's and Margaret's like, I don't know why you're doing this, but it's fun. I'm enjoying this. Is this like a witch's thing? <laughs> Is this fun? You guys should come over more. Yeah. <laughs> you're fun. You're fun. You're cute. You guys, you're, are, cute. You guys are cute. <laughs> <laughs> Little bonfire in the back. Oh my god, it's so sweet. <laughs> Festive. So nice. Um, no wonder you guys are roommates. Yeah. <laughs> so they burn the rest of the outfit, and then Joan uh, said to Goldine that she should forget she ever knew her, and then they went their separate ways. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Goldine was like, what the fuck did you yeah. Yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> wait sorry she was like what the fuck did you say <laughs> what <laughs> what are you what? serious you don't want to see each other anymore <laughs> I literally just killed somebody <laughs> for you for you <laughs> Goldine was left with the gun which inexplic- inexplicably she stored at a department store locker in downtown LA. Oh, wow. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back then, <clears throat> back then you like the the sense of security you had with department store lockers. I remember like just going to like a swim like a water park and we would put like all my dad would put his like wallet and like a wad of cash in the locker and he'd just be like that's fine. <laughs> all right, kids, let's go. Let's go enjoy the water park. <laughs> That's fine. Let's all go bathe in some pee. Yeah. It's just like, you know, not once worried about whether or not 
anything's going to be taken or, you know, who has the master key or anything like that. So I imagine that that's just like what department store lockers were like. They're like, there's no way anyone can get in here. I just don't understand the point of a department store locker. If anybody remembers them and can tell me, is it because you shop so much that you need like a locker to put some of the stuff in and then keep coming back? Or I thought it was for the workers who work. No, she doesn't work there. She's no. a lab tech at the children's hospital. That's right. I no, yeah, I mean that's they used to have train. They used to have station train station lockers. They used to have lockers everywhere. Oh, they, I thought they, some towns still have the train station ones, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, from bank, bank robbery shows. Oh, that's all I know. <laughs> that's the only reason I know about train station lockers. Train station, all the transportation places make sense. I want to know why the department stores had them. I think, I, I think what you said was right. I think you're just you buying shop. stuff and you might not want to carry things with you. Shop till you drop. Yeah. That's probably right. Also, I think that was like a way that they felt would deter people from putting stuff in their bags, I guess, maybe like, oh, like I have a, you know, you have a purse, put it in your, put it in a locker. And then that way you can't carry around the purse and shove stuff in your purse. I don't know. I feel like there's a flaw in that logic that I can't find it. (laughs) That's, uh, you know, that's what everybody says to me. Uh, <laughs> that's whatever. What yeah. Whenever I devise a plan at school, they're always like, I feel like there's a flaw in that logic, but I can't think of it. And I'm like, well, that wasn't a no. So <laughs> I like how we had to get rid of lockers at all these places because it's just like, well, people are just going to put bombs in them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and it, what I thought, what, what's so funny to me is that like, it took so long for people to think about putting bombs in them. Yeah. Like, I always just go like, what can I put a bomb in? <laughs> and Do you? I don't even make bombs. <laughs> just like, that, I could put a bomb in that easily. That could go in a bomb. That could be a bomb. This used to be a safe country where lesbians didn't talk about it. And bombs didn't exist. <laughs> you know, old women are buying shotguns and... Not even bringing the man friend into the stores. <laughs> Not even, yeah, coming in alone. Milk used to be a dollar thirty nine. When the investigation started, the police had questioned Joan, who at first was their prime suspect, but with no physical evidence connecting her to the crime and no confession, they let her go shortly afterward. A month later, an anonymous tip came in about the gun in a department store locker. I think that this was Goldine, but it never says who it was. I think Goldine's guilt overtook her. I think so, too. Could be. Or it could be the guy that she asked to help her open the locker (laughs) to put the gun in. The same male friend from the gun store. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hi. I have a... I I have an anonymous tip that I'd like to make for a gun that I, uh, I definitely bought cause I'm a man and <laughs> I'm a man. And I went with a friend of mine to buy the gun and, uh, I also helped her put it in the locker. So, uh, do I get some kind of reward or, uh, um, like I'm selling out my good friend. <laughs> Did so. you want to try the new Calvin Klein scent? <laughs> oh my god, 
I've been at wanting that so bad. Okay, I can give you more information. I know I, I know who DB Cooper is. Can I get like two for two two dollars off the Calvin Klein scent? Is that possible? Um <laughs> was DB Cooper even in this discount? <laughs> in this time period? <laughs> oh my god, you are you're a great inform you're a great customer service rep. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so the police followed it up and found the gun registered to Goldine Pizer, who then they, who then they picked up. Pizer immediately confessed to the entire plot. And I did it. (laughs) And said Joan coerced her into doing it. She said she had nothing personal against Peter herself but admitted she would do anything to please Joan. She said, I was always easily influenced. I have been impressionable and always trusting. (laughs) For her part, by the way, when Joan's friend Margaret was questioned about like the car and all that, all that shit, um, she knew exactly how many miles Joan had used the car for. She said she used it for 37 miles. Oh yeah, it's going to the store. <laughs> yeah, she was like that. She was like, gets back and looks at the odometer. She's like, huh, huh. Well, let me make a note. What's My, <laughs> she, she probably did what all older people do, which is they they have like a little travel log book where they put in how many miles they drive after everything. That's so great. right, yeah. Yeah. So she probably like saw the odometer and checked it. And was like, well, that's not how you get to the store. <laughs> She was like, what store did you go to? Did you have to go to Rialto? <laughs> Rialto. <laughs> 37 miles. 37 miles. Oh my God, woman. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that you were able to go to Disneyland on your way to the store. Indeed. <laughs> and it seems like you didn't have time to stop and put more gas in the car. Wow. Oh, that would have been. Busy, busy, huh? I think that that to me is definitely what she was like. She wasn't up, upset that her car was implicated in a murder. She was upset that there was no gas. And they didn't even put gas in the car. Can you yeah. believe it? The heathens. <laughs> yeah. Sure. The detectives are just sitting there nodding. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. So is somebody going to pay to put gas in my car? Or am <laughs> I going to have to pay? <laughs> I want justice. <laughs> <laughs> At the trial, at the trial, both women pled innocent. Pizer claimed insanity. At first, both women were charged with first-degree murder, but both of them cut a plea deal. I'm not sure exactly what were the terms of the deal, but I do know that the judge did feel bad for Goldine because mm-hmm. she seemed so pathetic. Yeah. Um, so they both got a plea deal though. And they, oh, great. And they each got oh great. <laughs> and they each got five years. Technically oh. it was five years to life, but they both got it after five years. Wow. Five years for murder. That's Jeez. yeah. Look, I don't know too much about this guy, but for all intents and purposes, he doesn't seem like he's he was abusive or anything. Uh, who knows? But just seemed like he married a woman who, you know, was hiding a secret. So it just is so sad that he had, he's the one who had to die. Like I would even be yeah. a little okay if Betty was the one who died, you know, like she's constantly talking about Hawaii 
It's just like, yeah, maybe we need to take her off the earth. Like maybe that needs to happen. Yeah, it's it's really terrible that she decided to take it out on the husband. Yeah. When honestly, like it's you know, like it's such such a teenage thing where even if Peter had been like, you can't talk to Joan anymore, it takes two to tango, you know? Yeah. Like Betty has to also cut her out of her life. But then again, thinking is different, especially in the 50s where whether you're a lesbian or not we you know that the man has the ultimate say oh for sure in the relationship so in joan's mind it must have been like you know if i get rid of peter then i don't even know if she wanted betty back i think she just wanted to hurt betty Mm. yeah and peter um so who knows yeah both were later released Goldine stayed in L.A. and became an officer. Uh, yeah, became an officer of the Miracle Mile chapter of the Professional Women's Club. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure what you do there. It sounds like a whole lot of nothing, but excuse me, professional women, if I've offended you. It's uh, That's the acronym. Mkatpf. Any trace of Joan after being released has vanished. Goldine died in 1998 at the age of 83. And Betty Fabiano moved to Riverside and died in 1999 at the age of 81. Living to their 80s. Good job, ladies. Yes. Husband free. Very free. Yep. And that's the story of the trick-or-treat murder in 1957. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you guys for listening. Have a happy, safe Halloween. Don't open the door for anybody. I would say after 9.15. Yeah. After 9.15, all those kids can go fuck themselves because they're, you know, fucking, they they left too late. I don't know. You know, I got to be honest with you. I think we have an obesity problem in our country. Maybe just this year, just don't do Halloween. You know, take Halloween off. Don't, Don't give out sugar to children you don't know. But then, but then the people who have already bought candy will eat all the candy themselves. Well, treat yourself. <laughs> That's part of the problem. <laughs> treat yourself. Uh, you know, I, I bought invent. They don't. They're not sponsors, but they should be. Invest in a ring camera. You know, it'll help you see who's at the door. That's true. You can have a conversation with somebody, and you don't even have to get a, put pants on. So, not that I put pants on when I have conversations with people at the door, but I still. It's nice to just lay in bed and have a conversation. We're also sponsored by Snickers. Snickers. Yeah. Oh, ones. you the guys have, really you guys have been sending life. me some great Snicker bars. Thank you. I appreciate it. I don't know why they started showing up, but they're great. I love the bitter taste. My hair's falling out, but I love it. So. It's our, I mean, it's our pleasure. Ah, good <laughs> Thank night, you. Everybody.